Hey guys, uh, welcome back. Uh, just a little preface before we start the show proper. Uh, Nick's audio was a bit weird in this one, uh, so I tried to salvage that as best I can, but uh, just, you know, be nice. Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture and comic book podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and the master of pivoting, Nick Protopapis. Nick, as I said just now, we're pivoting, uh, which is what you do best. We're, we're, we're pivoting to comics. Yeah. It's all new Out of Our Heads. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty similar for those who are really attached to our format and just really hate change. Those guys are really... They're going to be okay because it's going to be so similar. But for, for those who like a little more spice, it's also going to be different. We're going to, everyone's going to be happy. Yeah, think of it like uh, in the way that, that uh, long-running superhero comics relaunch often with superficial changes to narratives. Uh, we are doing something similar where our format is remaining exactly the same except... Uh, the key difference is that during our, our, our main segment, Joe, uh, we please. are discussing... The, all, the main difference is that we're all new, all different. Yes, all all new, all different, Joe and Nick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the key difference. New. Focus on that. <laughs> uh, what's new? Uh, we are talking about uh, uh, comics in our main segment. Comic books, graphic novels, uh, maybe even comic strips. Um, this you know, doesn't actually represent uh, a major departure from what we... Actually, it does. It does represent a major departure. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to talk to Joe, you. it's all different. It's <laughs> all new. Yeah. It's going to be great, you guys. Um, it's like it's like your younger brother, but he's taller than you now. And he has yes. a mustache. And he has a mustache. It's like that. Oh, Okay. Yeah, um, it's very different. It's all new and all different, but it's still still your little brother. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's the message we want to get across: is that um, don't it's be... like your toaster. If your toaster could talk, <laughs> like it's, don't it's... be scared away. Uh, the improvements <laughs> we're making are just that; they're improvements. It's uh, your toaster's still going to make toast. It's just also going to do small talk with you now. It's going to make trips to the kitchen real awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what it's like. In in seriousness, I think we should explain what's happening here. Oh, okay. I don't know if we fully got it across. All right, it's it's like if your bike became oh, okay. All right, fine. Fine, I'll stop, because I actually couldn't think of a joke for that one. So I'll stop, Joe. Um, let's explain in reality what's going on. Uh, yeah, so the format, uh, as I said earlier, of the show is staying pretty much entirely the same, uh, except uh, for the main event, uh, where we used to talk about, you know, whatever uh, thing caught our eye this week. Uh, instead, we will be talking about a comic uh, that both of us have read uh, either from the history of the medium, something that came out recently, somewhere in between, whatever that means. <laughs> um, there are really only those two options, I guess, uh, in the span uh, of time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was also thinking I had another idea, which I actually haven't told you about yet, but it's... Oh. Yeah, what if what if our, our, our art on our thing... What if, what if I was on bottom now? Because I was, I'm getting real tired up here. Okay. Yeah. You can do that. Maybe I will. <laughs> You're the one who has control of that Photoshop document. <laughs> You're damn right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that's not too much to explain. Uh, anyway, we mainly made this change uh, because we, were, we wanted to spice things up a little bit. Um, I think that probably a lot of our audience is into comics anyway, or is at least into us talking about comics. Um, so I... I, I I would hope that this would be, you know, a, a positive thing. Uh, and I'm excited about it. Uh, and I know Nick's excited about it. Cool. 
Yeah. Um, so, should we start with our, our regular and comfortable routine? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's. Uh, you have a thing for me? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, this week I'm talking about something nice and easy, just to um, ease everyone into the change. Um, mm-hmm. And the show that I'm talking about is also nice and easy to watch. It's uh, Twin Peaks from, I think, the 90s, 91 probably. Um, and it's by everyone's favorite for some reason, David Lynch. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty momentous TV series in that it it sort of it sort of changed. It's it's one of those you know TV shows that's like a also a, a pivot point you could say. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, the quality was just so good that it you know it changed the game a little. Um, mm-hmm. It's known for its sort of simplistic but super super catchy theme song. It's a murder murder mystery show in a small town in Washington, Twin Peaks, Washington. Um, and it you know kind of follows your basic imagination of what that might be like. Oh, a teenage girl, she was perfect, found murdered. The town is devastated. Her friends know something. They team up with the younger people to investigate. The cops are also looking into it. Um, but the best part of the show, Joe, is uh, Dave or Dale. Hmm. Dave Cooper. Let's go with Dave, uh, who's played by... Mm, I don't think that's what correct. Yeah, it is. Is it Dave? All right, it's Dale. I looked it up. It's Dale. <laughs> is that what you're talking about? <laughs> I said Dale was maybe a possibility. Um. Anyways, he comes in and he's he's played by if you ever watched How I Met Your Mother, the uh the creepy old guy. Which I'm not sure why that would be more apparent than his role in this, but. Anyways, um, he's kind of the quirky, very smart FBI agent who uh, has some dreams that he finds important, and he's, you know, he kind of figures things out right away. What I'm remembering now is he sits down in the cafe, and there's sort of this affair going on with one of the other cops and the diner waitress lady. Uh, and she comes by and she takes the order, and Dale he turns to the other guy, he's like, "So, how long have you been in love with Norma?" You know, he gets things very quickly. Um, yeah, it's definitely a, a character-based show. It's a lot of like scenes where like two characters talk to each other and it's kind of slow but you get more information on the mystery basically um not a lot of action but the mystery keeps you going through it and it's it's just easy watch it's nice and easy watch um it can be scary it can be funny uh, it can be lovable all those things you know um so it kind of gets you going it's kind of it's got the emotional range of like a a sitcom if a sitcom was you know a drama um (laughs) I mean, that's how it is, really. The acting is sometimes pretty good. Uh, not phenomenal. The script is sometimes very good. Stuff like that. Um, I think the best part of the show, really, for me at least, is kind of the, the atmosphere and what you get, you know, is sort of all these characters. Like, so many characters. A lot, a lot of characters. Uh, some of them are kind of quirky and fun, like the the cowardly cop, the lady who talks to the logs. Uh, the thing is, they're all interacted in this really fun way because... Basically, everyone's cheating on their significant other in some way, um, <laughs> and a lot of them have kids. So it's it's sort of this weird thing where like you kind of forget the connections between characters a lot, and then you remember, uh, and it makes the world feel kind of big because there's so many characters, but small, and that they're all you know it feels like you're part of this small town community, um, and that that's really the fun of the show. It's kind of like you get to go to Twin Peaks for a bit, and and the mystery. And yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely recommend it if you're kind of, it's pretty, like the first season, we just finished it yesterday's like eight episodes, so nothing too much. Each episode's like an hour. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice to um, have something kind of light to watch, if that makes sense. Not a big commitment, not very dramatic. It's good. Uh, and the soundtrack will really get in your head. Yeah, I've been... Um... I have been interested in watching Twin Peaks, and I I do know several of these songs from that. So I, I I think I I think I might just take you up on that offer. Yeah, it's pretty good. I um I've been liking it more. I haven't seen the second season yet, but from what I understand, the second season gets more into the mysterious and magical aspects, um, and like the dreamscape he has in this red room. Uh, I'm very interested. I, I don't really know where it's going. Hmm. And there's also, after that, there's Twin Peaks The Return. <laughs> that I really don't know anything about. Yeah, I, I can't remember if I heard if that was good or bad. Probably like these um, things go, it's fine. 
<laughs> I mean, that's my bad. If I had to bet, if I was a betting Didn't... man. X-Files came back for like two seasons, right? And uh, I'm sure that was fine. I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm so baffled by that being a, a recent thing that happens. I mean, we're definitely in the age of like things being revived and rebooted and all that jazz. Yeah, it's just such a popular like it's because online you can have a a voice kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's also just like I think because of the Internet, nostalgia cycles are, are, are shrinking and people people remember things more easily and like things can, yeah, you know, you, you've read all the think pieces about this. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So Twin Peaks is good. You should watch it. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I believe you. Cool. So Joe, you got anything, uh, got anything for me this week? Uh, I do. I watched, uh, you know, an, an old movie that you've probably seen. Uh, it's called a boy named Charlie Brown. It's a Peanuts movie. Uh, I guess I have seen it. I, I don't really... Hmm, that's a good question. They kind of all merge in my memory, and I've watched them all like a long, long time ago, except for probably the Christmas one. Yeah. Um, so this was actually, I think, the first theatrical Peanuts movie. Um, and to my understanding, I, I, I don't think I had seen it before, but I, I, I very well like could have as a, as a kid and just like not remember it. Um but I think it's supposed to be like the, the go-to quote unquote classic peanuts film that a lot of people think of when they're not talking about the holiday specials. Right. Um, so, you know, basically the, like a lot of the, the longer peanuts movies, um, it is kind of a, a a larger character arc and also kind of just a, a series of vignettes. Um, you know, our, our, our friend, Charlie Brown, uh, he's having a real rough go of it, as good he old, often does. Good old Charlie Brown. Good old Charlie Brown. Um, you know, it seems like he can't get anything right. Um, at the beginning of the movie, uh, Lucy makes a, a, a slideshow of him, uh, of basically everything that she believes is wrong with him. <laughs> uh, and the poor guy really takes it to heart. <laughs> I really like the way you're selling this. Um, and in some ways that's the inciting incident of the movie. Um, so he keeps having a a, a long series of failures in his life. Um, and then one day, uh, the class is having a a small spelling competition, uh, a spelling bee. Um, and it turns out he's actually kind of good at it. Um, so then he goes to the school spelling bee and eventually, uh, he's so good at spelling bees, uh, that he gets called upon to represent the school or I think maybe even their town in like the, the state spelling bee. Wow. Um, I've never heard of Charlie Brown being so good at anything. Yeah. Um, and so the thing about this is that he doesn't want to be good at it. Right. Uh, it was sort of by accident. And then once he like finds out he's good at it, he like really has to study and it stresses him out so much. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, hijinks and Sue. Um, so I think the main the main hook of this movie uh, is that it's hilarious. Uh, it was written by Charles Schultz, as I think a lot of the specials were. Uh, you know, uh, uh, at one point at the beginning, uh, they're playing baseball, and Charlie Brown gets knocked out by a baseball, and some kids run over, including Lucy. Uh, and one of the kids says, does anybody know first aid? And Lucy goes, it's probably not that serious. Second or third aid will do. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, and it's just it's loaded with shit like that uh, that I love a lot yeah it's pretty good yeah just the the really sharp peanuts humor um and I think you know that that's maybe the most appealing thing about it um and you know I'm, I might be talking about these specials in sort of more general terms just from like what I remember of them as a child and not so because I haven't seen really any of them in, in years and years like you um but I, I think what sort of makes these special um, is that, like, even though I, I think probably a lot of people are more familiar with Peanuts through these movies than they are through the original strips. Um, yeah. But even then, like, and I, I'm not saying that to be judgmental towards people who are, like, familiar with it through that angle. Um, but I, I do think that's interesting because a lot of the iconography of Peanuts comes from these specials in a way. Um, 
and I think part of that is is they do like generally a really good job of representing the characters in a longer format. Um, even if like a lot of that just comes down to telling little vignettes about the characters instead of actual longer form stories, which I think even like the the recent 2015 Venus movie did. Um, and so in that way, it feels kind of accurate and authentic to the strips in a way that I think a longer form narrative couldn't be. That sounds like all the other ones where it sort of translates very, very well from the strips. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting to me because like in, in my mind, when I think of like the, the, the cultural presence of peanuts, there's like pretty much no divide between the specials and the strips. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. The things like, you know, like the dancing credits, like that, yeah. that only exists in the, in the movie things, but it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and like, maybe some of that is just like when we were born. Like, we were both born after basically all of this had stopped coming out. Um, So it was all just, like, this was Peanuts for us. Um, But at the same time, I I do think they do a good job of representing those characters and and that, you know, it's a small world, but it it, it is that world. And I think it's also, like, if you look at the, the musical, like, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, I think that does not do the same thing there's a musical yeah wow um cool um and and so i guess that brings me to like you know one of the really the only major complaint i have about this um which is that there there are several musical numbers in this um and i think basically none of them are good um (laughs) and irrespective of that i think they just break like the world in a way that just does not work for me. Yeah. Send him back to strips where he can't make any sounds happen. Yeah. Like there's a whole section where like Lucy is singing a song about how much Charlie Brown sucks. And I'm like, this feels like it's just here to pad out the runtime. And like, this is already an established character beat from her. (laughs) Um, There's like one really good one where it's just like Schroeder playing piano. And that has nothing to do with the story, really. But it's it's um it's just has these really abstract visuals, and there's there's no singing. So it, even though it's like probably way more out there than the other numbers, it it feels a lot more cohesive because it's like clearly in his in his mind. Okay, I'll I'll look up yeah. and I'll you know when I'm watching that movie, if I do, I'll I'll just come very prepared and be very careful. Yeah, I was so tempted to like skip the songs when I came on. I Joe, I will have the remote in hand. I, I, there will, gotcha. I will no music will enter my ears. There's also like a five minutes near the end that's just Snoopy ice skating, which is also too much of that. <laughs> five minutes? It's definitely pretty long. That's insane. <laughs> five minutes is unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds at least really good. I think you know. Regardless, it's it's a very enjoyable movie. Okay. Um, cool. Shall we move on to our main topic today? Uh, I think we shall. Okay. Okay. Um, so to start off this this new phase of the show that we're entering. Um, Nick and I looked far and wide for what we deemed to be the comicest comic. Wow. Um, um, okay, continue. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this was something that 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 uh, was an important historical landmark uh, for the medium, but also perhaps wouldn't be an obvious or boring choice to kick things off. Like we already did Bone a few weeks ago, um, and and I think that would be otherwise in the ballpark of the comicest comic. Um, and we also didn't want to do something like Mouse because that would be a downer. Um, Fair. So we we eventually settled on starting off with uh, Love and Rockets. Um, so that is a you know Love and Rockets is a comic book series that has been published off and on again since the eighties. Uh, there are stories alternately by Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez, uh, each with their own very large cast of characters. Um, and 
So a lot of their earlier stuff is more science fiction oriented, um, which is sort of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and uh, something about this uh, that we sort of fucked up in the, the process of making this episode is that Nick and I sort of read different things. But it can be a lesson to you, the, the listener, <laughs> in how to possibly read this enormous and confusingly split up series. Um, yeah. Um, so what happened uh, was that I went in with the presumption that we were going to be reading from the omnibus. Uh, I took uh, what is labeled as volume one, uh, Maggie the Mechanic. Um, and so that collects, um, I think, the first three years of all of Jaime's stories, uh, but none of Gilbert's because they're, they're, they're totally separate entities. They don't interact. But in the individual magazine formats that they were originally printed in uh they they were split up um and so the thing about that is nick went and hunted down uh some of the first few issues of love and rockets yeah so i read like the magazine format instead which is how they were and i just assumed that that's how they would be collected too but it's not which is a little weird um we had a little we had a little what would you call it uh communication mishap yes well before the show we were talking about it and my argument is that there's there's you know these two brothers they write totally separate comics and the only thing really connecting them into one series is their their closeness to each other is the way they were they were published um so i think that i like the way i did it (laughs) (laughs) Jeff thinks he likes the way he did it Um, right Uh, I'll I'll sort of defend my decision go ahead um, in that I think this is how they chose to have them collected Uh, you know they they, these omnibuses are like the main way these days that you can read the original Love and Rocket storylines and how those are collected are they're collected chronologically by brother uh, because they tell completely separate storylines, and it would be weird to read that long form <laughs> when you're you're constantly switching. What, what do you mean it would be weird? That's that's how it was. That's how they did it. <laughs> okay, I mean it would be weird, but that's kind of that's kind of the fun of it. It's kind of you know that's what makes it such a, a strange series, such a unique mm-hmm. series. Um, okay, so I guess. You know, because of the way we did this, uh, we can both sort of talk about Jaime's stuff, and you can give me an impression on uh, early Gilbert Hernandez. Yeah. Um, uh, how about we? How about we start off with that? Uh, with me? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, Gilbert does stuff more in the the past, I guess, which is not totally apparent all the time, but it's you know. Jaime's stuff is like very futuristic and Gilbert's stuff is like, it sort of feels like to me like old superhero stuff, um, but almost not. So basically the, the thing that's going on is in, in some Spanish speaking country, I don't really know where, I think it's fictional actually. Uh, it, yeah. It's called Palomar. It's right. Made up. And it's, it's an Island also. Um, there is an impending monster coming and his name is Bem. Um, and it sort of bounces around a lot of separate characters and how they react to this sort of, earth-shattering thing um and it's a little bit corny like on purpose sometimes where it's like i think i think making fun of like other comics like that um like for example it introduces this character whose name is like man i should really write down names huh joe uh, <laughs> his name is like bismo or something and bismo reads about bam in the newspaper and then he goes ah someone should really handle this but not me and then runs off panel and I, at least, reading, you know, 150 more pages, never saw him again. Um, so there's, like, little little jokes like that, little fun things. Um, oh, see, see, this is interesting, because I think, uh, I don't want to interrupt you fully, but I think there's, like, an, uh, a comparison I can make to a, a slightly later Jaime story uh, in a little bit. Nice. Um, yeah. And then you have sort of a focus on one of the female characters and her sort of boyfriend and then also there's this like very very noir sort of superhero guy who comes and tries to punch bam and he fights him in these uh, very classic actiony sequences 
Um, and I, I mean, I read the stuff together, and it sort of works well in the vibe that you get from both of them. So I think, it, you know, you, you sort of get the black and white comic with the dark darks and the, you know, the, the classic <laughs> one. Is your not is yours not black and white? Okay, I was. No, worried. it is black and white. Okay, good, good. <laughs> and you get the sort of the spinning, like not the spinning, but you know what I mean. Like it changes angles all the time, and then it goes above, and then it goes to the side, and um, things like that. And it, it has a lot of like the, what, you know, like it has little little meanwhiles. What do you call those? Jeez, the boxes, Joe. Joe, help. Caption boxes? Jesus. Is that yeah. what you want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, caption boxes. I was wow. I, I, that was awful. I never put me on live television. Um, the caption boxes has a lot of those for like Bam is coming, stuff like that. Um, nice. Yeah. And then they have some nice, very nice, like uh, variation in detail, stuff like that. And Bam is especially sort of very gritty sort of like noir stuff like he's very dark with huge eyes he looks like a kind of caterpillar and he's always bubbling around in the water so that's what the art's a little bit like uh yeah so reading them together was not to like be too much i don't want to argue anymore but uh i think that (laughs) they work well together in terms like the way it flows you sort of put something away for a while but the the stakes and characters are always so different between the two that jumping between them really isn't a problem Mm -hmm. i think you probably this is sort of my estimation is that you probably had a more lax reading experience more (laughs) because my my experience with this was reading you know 300 pages of an omnibus in an entire afternoon (laughs) wow how did you do that no way you did that wait a minute i just sat down uh from like an afternoon to the evening (laughs) that must have taken so long joe like seven hours it did take about five or six. That's kind of insane. Well, uh, yeah, uh, the, Jaime's stuff, especially, I think, is dense. I don't know about Gilbert. Yeah, less. He's less dense. Good job. I was thinking of the sort of the almost like written part of mechanics, where it's like just like chunks, and chunks of text, like kachunk, kachunk. Yeah, uh, and we we can we can get to that in a bit, but I do have like one sort of. Uh, idea about like the the superhero stuff um not that i've i've read gilbert at all i've, I've read yeah. zero gilbert hernandez there's there's um, references to superheroes in both of them um yeah not, um, not just like visual like like verbal like you know like yeah, so yeah. in 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 jaime you have like the 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 penny century stuff um where she's a character who like is, is uh uh dating this very rich guy uh, this billionaire and and she says oh i w- i want to be a superhero and he's like i can't give you that um uh and that's sort of a funny recurring gag but um later on there's like a, a i don't think you would have gotten to this um but there's like a a, a short story where uh maggie maggie chescarillo who's like the main character of jaime's sections of love and rockets um she like becomes a a, a sidekick to a superhero who exists in that universe. Um, And I think that story is called Maniac, but Maniac is spelled with two Ks instead of a C. Um, Fair. And so in in that and in a few other bits in here, it feels like, at least to me, that Jaime sort of has a a potential distaste for superhero comics. I'm not sure. Um, But it, it definitely reminds me of sort of similar stuff in the era where I, I think a lot of cartoonists, a lot of indie cartoonists were, were sort of frustrated um, because in the, in the eighties, like, you know, stuff was even more dominated by superhero comics than they are now. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the- so I, I think that's fair. Um, but as a, as a reader, I find like that particular story difficult to engage with because it reads a lot as, as like, Oh, superheroes suck, man. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't this suck uh that people like this um and it, it's not that i it's not that i like you know i'm fully okay with like stories that engage with with genre and even criticize genre uh like I, i'm a big fan of those often um but i want to read like the stories that jaime hernandez wants to make and not the ones that he dislikes yeah you know that's weird that he gets so into it later um it's like, you know, it's not 
I'm sort of exaggerating it, I think. Um, like, there's still a story there, and it's like a short story. And it's like the most he ever goes into this, but it's like a weird section of it. Um, anyway, I, 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 I think, you know, that sort of, uh, like, criticism from inside the book... Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's a, a weird way to put that. Um, but I, I, I think that kind of, like, oh, comics aren't for kids anymore. Look at, like, all the swears and sex and blood we can do, which isn't isn't what this is. Um, but I think it, like, can occasionally lean just a little bit into that, and that feels really juvenile to me. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. But I think that's also why this is such a landmark comic, you know? It's, it's kind of all those mm -hmm. things. It's, like, it, it's... it's the, it, it's like the epitome of indie comics. It's so out there. It's so anti. It's so, you know, weird. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, uh, I did a bit of reading on this. Um, it is, like, one of the first major, like, uh, real, like, publications of an, of an indie comic. Like, there, there's stuff like, you know, Raw, which I think came before this. Um, but this is, like... I think one of the first Fantagraphics books. Um, yeah. I'll probably amend this in the description if I'm wrong. Um, it, it was... But yeah, and I think that is what like makes it important. I think it was, it was first, first self-published and then very quickly picked up by Fantagraphics from what I read. Uh, yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. And it ran for a really long time. And I think you can tell even by the format you were saying like how it's so like in a world where in a world where uh, superhero <laughs> comics totally dominate like the the format of having like i mean from what i was reading a very very long you know 60 something pages book um, you know yeah. it's not a book but it's it's an issue uh, th that seems totally different i'm not sure though yeah and i mean so so i don't want to spend too much more time talking about the superhero stuff because it's really like not much of what this is um but I, I, I do want to note that, like, at least Jaime, I don't know how old Gilbert was. Um, I don't know how close they were in age. Uh, but when he started, he was, like, 23. Um, That's so, like, pretty young. <laughs> born 59. Hold on. Gilbert, 57. So he's two years younger. No, older. That's not how that works. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it, yeah, let's, we can get it more into now, but I think this is sort of, if you're wondering why it's a big deal, I think that those are the reasons. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think we should, uh, spend probably a lot more time talking about mechanics, which is like the first major story arc chunk of story that, that, that Jaime does sure. um, in Love and Rockets. Like he does a few short stories and then he, he jumps into this. Right, so mechanics is basically set in a, you know, far, little farther than future kind of stuff you're used to. Like, it's a little steampunky, would you say? Maybe not. I don't know. I'm just thinking of the, the very first issue where you sort of get the regular world a little more, um, mm -hmm. and you have your main character who is Maggie, right? And yep. Maggie is dating this girl, but she's a bum, and she goes out to get a job as a mechanic. Uh, and at first, you're like, okay, a mechanic. Um, but then that turns into something a little weirder, but she gets hired by this old guy and a younger younger guy who's a probable love interest. Yeah, uh, and, and that guy's name is uh, Rand Race. Right. Uh, and he's a real hunk. <laughs> he's very hunky. There, um, Everyone in this comic ever is drawn in a very idealized i guess that's what the word i want to use way like the ideal yeah um i mean i think it's a very horny comic like uh, i don't think there's like really any way around that um and i think like you know it's fun <laughs> yeah no it's it's super horny uh, <laughs> i mean <laughs> i think that goes into like this like 80s indie stuff but yeah. um, for me it was a little i don't want to say distracting annoying <laughs> I it can be it definitely can be um yeah but you definitely get that every, every all all the time. <laughs> and there's a lot of times where a girl is just like shirtless, and you're like, "But why is she shirtless?" <laughs> and like, I just kept telling myself, "Well, it's hot out." I was just like, "Well, it's hot out," and that's how I kind of, mm -hmm. um, just lots of fun. It's, it's kind of fun like that, just to catch the little like, like euphemisms uh, too, because there's like, 
There's uh, one in particular her, thing I remember with not that quite girl guy holding it. Um, what? But it's like they're both shirtless on the first page. <laughs> oh, they're not girlfriend. Um, so they they elaborate this on this in like sort of later okay uh, sections. They both sort of so they live together um, and wake up in a bed really, shirtless together. They're not really, and they they like you know. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I got fooled by the by the just boobs, spontaneous boobs. Maybe they <laughs> sort of have a platonic To give a long form perspective on this, uh, long time readers of Love and Rockets and of of Jaime's sections of Love and Rockets do view like Maggie and Hopi as like the the eventual couple that will happen probably someday. Um, but at this section, there are people who are sort of involved, but are largely involved with other people. Okay. So it's sort of a complicated dynamic, and they go into that in like the stories after this. All right, that's that's interesting. Um, I guess that makes it less bad that she's all over hunky hunky race. What's his name? Rand race. <laughs> hunky. Hunky, hunky. Yeah, that is that is, I think, permitted within their their dynamic. <laughs> wow, that makes it so much better to read, actually. Okay, <laughs> you just improved it for me. Um, <laughs> that's pretty funny that that sort of got a little more explained. Um, okay. Yeah. And so, so what I think is sort of to talk more about the story broadly, what I think is funny about it is to me it kind of represents like none of the stuff that i like about Jaime hernandez's love and rockets yeah but it's like it's a, i think it's the most famous one of them at least on his side uh famous little storylines that kind of got it known on... yeah i think definitely at first i think um yeah gilbert has a heart <laughs> heartbreak soup or something yeah yeah i think it's some, something like that heartbreak soup yeah um, which is like starts his continuous thing of like you know it's, it's his equivalent to it like you know a more long-term idea uh, you know what I'm talking about. Long-term story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so what's what's funny about like this early Jaime stuff is he spends what I think is the first year or two trying to do like the, this um all this like sci-fi stuff with a bunch of different genre influences. Um and for me it just it it doesn't work. Like the, the cartooning is good. Uh like he's he's you know I think especially like the, the way he draws individual panels is really good um like his actual draftsmanship um i think his like actual skill at laying out the page is is not as good as it would be yeah um, like I, I think something you see in mechanics which is sort of intentional i'm, I'm almost certain it's intentional is like you get these really claustrophobic layouts um because they're, they're working on this this project and they're stuck in the pl- same place for like a month um Except like then you you get to his later stuff and it's just so much better to read. <laughs> huh. Well, yeah, that's, that's I, all I really read, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um. And so what happens later? Um. Sort of to give you a preview, not of like plot events, but it goes. The sci-fi angle is dropped almost entirely, um, and it just focuses on the these um young people, Maggie and Hopi, and, and their friends, their sort of expanded circle, um in california and hanging out and uh having little character pieces and, and adventures there um and that's the stuff that to me because i sort of came in to love and rockets like reading later chunks of story um that sort of realism is kind of what defines the book to me um and i just find like um the sci-fi components here to be not quite playing to what i think this creator's strengths are Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I sort of liked um, a lot of the, the sci-fi elements because they sort of, you know, it felt a little more normal at first. And then once she gets to, what's that fictional country called, Joe? No. Anyway, it's that country. Um, and you sort of get a lot of things thrown at you, uh, is what I would describe, like, like dinosaurs and like, I, I don't know, like, for me, that was kind of the chaos was, or in like the way the characters acted like it was normal made it like part of the fun was that. Um, so that's interesting that you say that. Hey, more of a hanging out thing. That's, uh, that's something I'd be interested to read actually, just to see what it's like. Cause I feel like a lot of this comes from the, 
the constant action of the characters in a sort of, you know, um, more adventure oriented. You know what I mean? Like a more, not the characters in, in California hanging out can't move, but the, the action I'm thinking of is sort of more like fighting stuff or, or rolling around. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely a, a, a funky storyline. Um, cause they wind up in this country where they, they have to repair this crashed rocket ship. Um, there's an influx of a bunch of characters. Um, there are dinosaurs. Penny from um, California shows up too. Right. <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think like, these early stories is that she's just going on adventures all the time. And that's why like Maggie's sort of, I think there are indications that she's jealous of her uh, because she lives such an extraordinary life. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's most of what I read. I think there's uh, another thing they say is that there's some interesting layouts, uh, some experimental layouts that I enjoyed for the most part. There was one where, like, the letter, I think it's one of the first ones in mechanics, where the letter that she's writing to her friend is is running through a bunch of, like, you know, horizontal panels. Uh, I thought that was interesting and good. Yeah, let me um, let me find that real quick. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Ow. basically like a, a vertical section of letter. Yeah, every once in a while you get something really cool like that, and uh, that's fun to read. You know what's um what's weird to me about this is that there's like um twenty years later um <laughs> uh in in like you remember how we read like Ultimate Spider Man at the beginning of this podcast. Yes. Yeah, this is a trick that like they consistently employ near the end of that run. Really? Um yeah. Fun. Um and to me it was just really funny reading this because I was like, oh, A, this is where that comes from. B, it's done so much better here, I think. Yeah. Um I don't know, because it, it's just a weird trick, uh, and I think it's hard to pull off. Um and I say that as someone who really likes Ultimate Spider Man. Yeah, I don't. As, let's let's rehash, Joe. Let's, let's relapse. Yeah, yeah here. let's not. <laughs> no, Joe, we're all new and all different. We can't we can't do this anymore. <laughs> no more yelling about Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any other extraneous thoughts about uh, mechanics and early Blood and Rockets? Uh, well, I, I guess this is my time to to twist you and reveal my. Um, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like any of this that much. Yeah. Are you shocked? Are you are you not shocked? I can't. Uh, I mean, I'm not shocked because I don't I don't enjoy the the early parts that you read either. Okay. Cool. I'm glad because uh, the way you were talking about it, like reading 300 pages, and I don't know, you were like, "This is really good." I was like, "Ah, I have respect for some of the things going on." Uh, no, but I I really didn't like it. Um, oh, I mean, that's um, that's how I feel at least with Jaime stuff. Um, I think like the the early really the first like two years of what he does um i have respect for some of the creative decisions um or a lot of the creative decisions really um but i don't think it's an enjoyable story to read no um the, the, you know it, it's, it's it's him in full sci-fi mode um and to like like i said earlier to me when love and rockets gets good is when it completely ditches all of this <laughs> yeah that makes sense I, I don't know it's just sort of like it's, it's, it's kind of just like chaos and like old old comics and a lot of stuff I don't like um, like over narration very simple conflicts super horny like I don't even know what's going on in the plot that much I don't think the, like whoever's writing yeah, it mechanics especially is like I think not great at dictating exactly what is happening <laughs> um. Um, yeah some of the some of the conflicts reminds me of like even watered down like strangers in paradise um mm -hmm. like just like that but like like within three panels or something um yeah and there's also so so if you read like the the wikipedia summary of mechanics then i think you get a very different impression of what the story actually gives you okay i have not done that will you um Basically, like, like so, so there's like a whole <laughs> revolution that happens in the country they go to at the end, and I, I think that's just like, oh yeah, then they just leave. Much. That was so funny. 
I laughed so hard. I can't believe I forgot that. They were like, oh, revolution. And they were like, yeah, well, I guess we better go home. Uh, that was that was so weird. It's a, it's a weirdly plotted story. And then at the end, they have like Maggie coming home and, and summarizing the lessons she learned to her friends. What a, yeah, it's, it's a weird book. So, Joe, yeah. just for my own reference, where does this get good? Um, so I would say you want to pick up after, uh, what's the story? At least for Jaime's stuff. Uh, there's a story called Las Mujeres Perditas, and you want to read after that. <laughs> All right, I will probably do that just because I'm so, like, I was kind of shocked how much I didn't like this, I guess, because it's so famous. And I, I would really rather enjoy things in life. So I'll probably... I think it, it definitely improves drastically. Okay. In, in my opinion. Cool. Um, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, what else? Do you feel smarter um, at least? <laughs> I, I do feel a bit more experienced. I feel like I, I can condescend to... to you know, big comics people and say, I don't like the first two years of Love and Rockets. Ah, me um, too, Joe. Me too. Uh, there's like, I don't know, there's like a, a weird element of this where like they interact with like some, I guess what are supposed to be African villagers. That and like, not all part. of that, but some of that doesn't feel great. Yeah. Um, there's like a part where, where Maggie like accidentally puts on a mask and they believe her to be like their god of death. Ah. And they all run away scared and it's like... Mm, a classic. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Not, yeah. not a great one. Um, um, that's about all I have to say about this part of Love and Rockets. Maybe we can come back at a, a different era of the book yeah. and sort of reappraise. Because I, I do really like where it ends up eventually. I think with a little skipping around, I'd be willing to continue reading if that makes sense but not without, yeah. not without skipping around i couldn't go straight not i don't have the strength not like you <laughs> um, yeah uh okay well but yeah let's move on okay uh today nick uh it's a new show but the same old thing we do every week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Nick, I have a I have a burning question for you. Okay. Um, how would you re- remix multiple conspiracy theories to make a better, stronger conspiracy theory? An expanded universe of conspiracy theories, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so so th- I'll give you an example. Uh, mine is... Um, so like JFK, right? Um, we all know that he was killed by a notable person. Yes. A notable person in history. Mm-hmm. I, and that person, is still on the run to this day. Mm-hmm. I think, I believe, that that person is Adolf Hitler, still on the run from having faked his own death. Okay. And he did this to stop JFK from building the pyramids. Uh, I was going to use the pyramids. God damn you, Joe. <laughs> what, what's the one where the Nordic Sea doesn't exist? Or it does, and they're secretly uh, fishing there? I don't know about this. Even if it doesn't exist, I think it's totally valid to make up your own conspiracy theory. Okay, well, there's something I remember about a theory where that sea is hidden so that, that people can fish there more for fishing rights. Um, and I like that one. So I'm going to say that something... I'm going to say that... Mongolia doesn't exist. And there's actually a giant hole that China uses to throw their garbage in. Because they're so big. Where's their garbage going? These are the questions that we have to ask. (laughs) What do you think of that? I mean, I went to the Grand Canyon. I went to the Grand Canyon the other day. And I don't know of any other Grand Canyons, like any other big canyons. Where are these where there must be some other canyons? Mm-hmm. And Mongolia must be that other greater, bigger canyon. I don't want to offend the people of Mongolia on this podcast. Um, I am okay from there. Anyone who might be listening from there, I I, I want Wait, to how, clear. How am I offending them? Are... Oh, because they said they didn't exist. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you wanted me to remix a conspiracy theory, and I'm supposed to do it without offending anyone. 
What about, this mine was not great. What about the Egyptians? They're mad. You told them, you said the pyramids something. Didn't you say something? Oh, but I was doing it in parody. Well, what am I, serious? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Joe. I, I think Mongolia really is there. I also believe that Mongolia is there. Nice. And also, the, the, the people in Egypt built the pyramids, and Adolf Hitler is dead, thankfully. Yeah, you even, talk, you even talked about Hitler! And you're, yeah. you're good at me for offending people? Hey now! Yeah. <laughs> Nick, do you have a wise quote for us? I do. Are you ready? It's, I'm gonna, let me shorten it. Alright, you differ from a great man in only one respect. The great man was once a very little man, but he developed one important quality. He recognized the smallness and narrowness of his thoughts and actions. That's it. I mean, there's more, but uh, basically it's saying that a great man is not from greatness, but he's someone who learns from his mistakes and recognizes them and grows. I do like learning from my mistakes. That, that's what it's saying. And there's, there's like a paragraph more that says more of that. So I'm sure that's what it's saying. Um, and that's from Freud. Oh, another one from Freud. I, I've been uh, been reading my Freud. <laughs> what, you don't like Freud? Something wrong with him? What's wrong with him? I don't actually know. I don't like a lot of things about Freud. <laughs> really? I actually don't know a lot of the history. I just have been reading some of his papers. Yeah, weird guy. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Propapis. You can contact us out of our heads pod at gmail.com where you can send us letters or tell us about books that you want covered on the show. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joby underscore draws, and you can read my webcomic, Aaron, at jobydraws.com. As always, Nick has nothing to promote except for wisdom, uh, which is apparently from Freud. Uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It would help us out, potentially. Uh, stay safe and see you next time.